This podcast is sponsored by Oasis Aqua Lounge. Join our online community of sex-positive swingers and individuals looking to make connections while we are all stuck at home. We host events seven days a week and have hundreds of active members to meet and mingle with. Head to members.oasisaqualounge.com to join the party today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sex News with Ray. I'm your host, Ray, and today we're joined by Lady Pym, professional dominatrix and host of the Bedpost podcast. Today in Sex News, we're going to compare and contrast two articles. Why? Because we all miss school, and I know how much Lady Pym likes making people write essays. I'm just kidding. It's because I couldn't pick one. Okay. If one thing became clear when reading about sex work and how it's reported, I've noticed that we as readers are being reduced to a binary of opinions. So I'm providing one article for each opinion so we can compare these opinions. And I'm going to summarize for probably longer than usual. I hope that's okay (laughs) because there's two articles, but I'm also very excited. And Lady Pam, feel free to use these and make your clients use them for their essay writing for the future because I know that that's a punishment you give them. I most certainly do. Or a reward, depending. I heard that and I was like, how do I how do I make people write essays for me? Okay. I do have some subs that like love writing and that is like the way that they just express themselves. So it's really funny. Depend that shows how specific kinks are, right? Because like a writing assignment can be like a total lovely thing for one sub and like the absolute worst thing for another. <laughs> Um, I love PowerPoint presentations to the point where I proposed to my husband with one as part of the overall proposal. And so for my birthday party this year, when people are like, what do you want for your birthday? I'm like, bring me your PowerPoints. I want to throw like a, because also people can virtually present their PowerPoints to me if they need to. PowerPoint party. Yeah, pretty much. It's been my dream to have one. It's the new orgy. Imagine if, okay, you know what? I'm not going to, I just, my brain like shorted out imagining all the possibilities of crossover right there. But okay. Article number one is called Human Trafficking is an Epidemic in the U.S. It's also Big Business, and it's from Fortune.com, and it was posted April 14th, 2019. It begins with this quote, Slavery is alive and well in the land of the free. And it talks about how human trafficking... Oh, your face right now. I wish our our listeners could see it. (laughs) Human trafficking is a multi-billion dollar industry worldwide. And the people being trafficked are people in poverty, people of color, people coming out of the foster care system. So are are most vulnerable of society. Another quote from the article, most people in prostitution have experienced trafficking in some form. Most were brought into this before they were old enough to consent to have sex, never mind being sold for sex. Most? Most people involved in prostitution. Don't wait till the second article. I think you'll like it a little bit better. (laughs) But I like how how already you're like, okay. Human trafficking brings in global profits of $150 billion a year, $99 billion from sexual exploitation. 9,000 cases were reported in the U.S. and people are being trafficked from state to state. Um, It talks a bit about the pipeline and the biggest factors that lead vulnerable children to becoming vulnerable adults are poverty, homelessness, abuse at home, the foster system, and glamorization of the sex industry. Trafficking tends to occur more in inner cities as well as on farms. People are being sold to migrant farmers and drugged in order to become compliant. Which I should add, I'm sure that's happening somewhere, but this article is... Yeah, it's not like that doesn't happen, but this article is... It's not that trafficking s- doesn't exist. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. I'm not saying that, but this is clearly... Who's written this? You know yeah, what I we're mean? Yeah, we're going to find... Yeah, yeah, it talks about... Yeah. It's saying that apparently homeless shelters are getting cased by traffickers, and then it defines trafficking as third-party control. Someone else is getting the money, like a pimp. Right. Or, I don't know, I think Some that's company. really different. Yeah. 
profiting. So yeah. then the article centers actually. So a lot of the issues sometimes with sex worker reporting is they don't actually talk to sex workers. Um, but this article is actually <laughs> much like any media surrounding that's on sex work, right? Yeah. This yeah. one is actually worth reading because the article centers on a woman whose last name is Bell. She's an activist who works for Living in Freedom Together, a survivor-led organization that helps individuals exit the world of commercial sexual exploitation. And they're interviewing her for most of it. So Bell works to decriminalize prostitution and advocates for harsher penalties for those who purchase sex, the Nordic model. Female sex workers in the U.S. actually face jail time, but Johns are given educational intervention. In right. Arizona, they found something to be effective where they take away the cars of Johns because then they have to explain to their families why they don't have a car. And that's the most effective thing they found to keep people from purchasing sex again. In L.A., those who get arrested <laughs> for buying sex could find their names on a billboard publicly shaming them. Activists wow. say the best way to end trafficking is to prevent it. Make sure that prosecutors, judges, schools, doctors, and first responders are trained on what to look for and what to do when they see human trafficking. Which, by the way, there was another article talking about how all of those things that say, look for someone who's being trafficked, actually meant that women traveling alone were being kept from, like, masturbating. Things like that. Like, there was a funny... Oh, yeah. Fun, yeah. I think you heard oh, about there's that a, one. Oh, yeah. There's a bunch of things I went out on, like hotels, training hotel staff to identify a trafficking victim, where what it was actually doing was training hotel employees to uh find full service sex workers like to yeah uh, who were not yeah, to, who were not being trafficked and they were working for themselves no who yeah. are consensual adult sex workers yeah. but i remember they called the cops on one woman because she was traveling alone she had this and that and she happened to have a vibrator in her bag like yeah. when they searched the hotel room they found her vibrator so she got sent like the, the police came because they thought she was a sex worker because she was traveling alone and owned a vibrator. Yeah. I would have been arrested many times when I traveled alone. Schools don't want to talk to children about sex, even when it's about safety, is the ending of the article. Um, and, Interesting. Uh, end. To, yeah, to, to interrupt myself <laughs> wait, and my what, own wait, thought what? there. Yeah. Yeah. So they're talking a bit about how, like, we don't educate people about sex, but one of the other ways that we can prevent sex trafficking is to talk to children about sex and exploitation and all those things. Interesting. So that's article one. Like I said, I would not have picked something that was obviously very unbiased because I think that that's yeah. a little bit like cherry picking. I liked this one specifically because it centered around this woman who actually had experience being trafficked and all those things yeah. that happened to her, which is why she works for this organization to end trafficking. Yeah. Listen to this woman for sure. Article two. Yeah. Article two is called Lies, Damned Lies, and Sex Work Statistics. It's actually from much earlier, 2014. Washington Post, March 27th, 2014. So the one here is a lot newer. And um, sorry, this one's older. The one that I just said, Article one was a lot newer. Yeah. That being said, I don't think anything has really changed since this one came out. Because this article... Like I said, it might be less relevant, but it's an interesting opposing perspective to the article above. It claims that research and conversations around sex work is biased and one-sided to the point of being unreliable, as the research frequently doesn't consult with actual sex workers. There you go. Many who represent themselves as sex work researchers present their opinions as fact, and they're bolstered by pseudo-studies designed to produce predetermined results. Sex workers are rarely consulted for studies, or when they are consulted, they're recruited from jails and substance abuse programs, which skew the results heavily towards the desperate, disadvantaged, and marginalized. This research gets used to fuel moral panic over sex trafficking, and a quote from the article is, sex work prohibitionists have long seen trafficking and sex slavery as a useful Trojan horse. It frames sex work as sexual slavery to gain more support to end all prostitution. Sex worker organizations point out that those who want to decrease exploitation need to decriminalize sex work, which once again, earlier, Bell also said we need to, everyone, everyone agrees, whether it's trafficking or sex workers, we need to decriminalize sex thing. work. 
Scary yep. stories around sex trafficking have false figures and phony statistics. So here's an example. A lot of articles will say the average sex worker enters the trade at 13. And Whoa. this article is now saying that is a mathematical impossibility. And it originates as a misrepresentation of a study talking about first non-commercial sexual contact, like kissing, that was reported on by underage girls in a 1982 study. Jesus. The actual average age that those girls began um, work in sex work or prostitution or trafficking was actually 16. Articles will purposefully misquote and say it's actually 13, and they're getting that number from these girls had their first sexual contact at 13, and kissing was considered sexual contact. That's how they will s represent the data in studies. So apparently... From something that's 15 years old, 20 years old. Right. A, uh, another study that they're misquoting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So as of 2014, the most reliable data actually comes out of New Zealand because that's where sex work is legal. And the article continues to discuss a lot of other skewed data collection examples, which like I lived for. I was like, yeah, give me another one. I want another. Give me another give example me of data, skewed data maybe. collection. Tell me about their bad methodology. <laughs> okay. The media takes this false data and then inflates <laughs> it and repeats it incorrectly. Um, one example was recently, they all say that Super Bowls bring sex slaves to more to the area based on looking up information from Craigslist. And this article says, this is just hype. There's literally no methodological data on how they determined that Super Bowls are bringing in sex slaves. They just noticed that people are posting more on Craigslist for sexual services around the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So stupid. Things like that. The last sentence of this article was, these moral panic proclamations and exaggerated or fabricated statistics are coming from activists who want stricter laws to criminalize prostitution, thus pushing it further underground. Spreading their message will only make actual sex work you know, more difficult, basically. And it, it goes on a little more. But the idea being that, like, I mean, I just thought this was hilarious. I thought both of these things were hilarious in a lot of different ways. But I just, like, mm -hmm. I, everyone should read this article. So many examples. It was really good. Okay, so... Okay, so last week's article <laughs> talked a lot about trafficking versus prostitution versus sex work in terms of legal definitions. You know, last week we focused a bit more on sex work and prostitution, and specifically we're going to say full-service sex worker. But this week I really want us to get a little bit more into trafficking. So, uh, Lady Pim, what did you think about these articles? <laughs> oh boy, so much, really. I mean... I think the issue is that they conflate they conflate trafficking with consensual adult sex work. And I mean, that's something that has been happening very recently, too, with like SESTA and FOSTA, which came out to try and prevent, you know, child sex trafficking. But really what it ended up doing is just ruining the entire industry for consensual adult right. sex workers, making it more difficult for them to operate their businesses, do their work. And more dangerous. Yeah, we have an article on that coming up as well. If people want to Perfect. really deep dive into SESTA-FOSTA, which I do. so We're going to do that, that later then. But yeah. for these, yeah, I'm... Um, oh, boy. Uh, I mean, th the idea that most of the media that people consume that informs them about sex work is coming from non-sex workers. Just kind of making up data, skewing data, bringing their feelings into the article, their personal experiences with what they know about sex work, which is usually super duper limited. That is just very maddening. As a person who's like a sex worker creative, who, I mean, I'm a writer, I'm an actor, I'm a person that likes to create creative things. The fact that like our community, our sex, the sex work community is being represented by and large 
completely by people who aren't sex workers. It's like mind boggling to me. And that's what the usual non-sex worker person or like civvy person, civilian person, that's where they get their information surrounding sex work. And that's so frustrating. So they're going to get right, right from the get, they're getting a shit ton of misinformation. <sighs> that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm so visible. Why, why I'm so vocal. Why I do my podcast. Why I've, you know, what inspires me to like tweet and, Instagram and all that kind of stuff is to try and educate the goddamn people that sex work is like <laughs> a lovely thing and sex workers are lovely people and um, what we do is important and valuable. Yeah. 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 yeah, the second article talks a lot about not actually talking to sex workers for research or even yeah. the people that they do it's talk insane. to. They're always looking at the most marginalized people when they do their research. They're not actually getting a well-rounded sample size. Exactly. And that like and that's very and that's very common. Like there are all so many different types of sex workers, right? And the most visible sex workers because of that reason, like that's because reporters and I'm use I'm really using bunny ear quotes here because reporters go and find the marginalized of us, basically um, the most vulnerable, you know, part of our community. So, I mean, like street workers, for instance, they make up such a small percentage of the sex work, the overall sex work community, but they are the most visible. Right. And unfortunately, that part of the community can be people who are having a hard time supporting themselves for multiple reasons, right? They're marginalized usually in a variety of ways. Because of this like skewed view that most, I almost said most normal people. <laughs> what is normal? Most yeah. Civ what is norm? Yeah. What is the norm? The muggles? Most civvy yeah, it's the muggles. Exactly, exactly. That's what they think when they think sex worker or sex work. They think of like a desperate person who, you know, may have alcohol addiction. They're usually marginalized, like they're people of color, black people. They may be trans on the trans spectrum. So that's what people choose to focus on right. when they think sex work. It's interesting, though, because there are still people of color and trans people who are not Certainly. at the street level. But well, you would certainly. still assume, you know, but like there's there but what, what we who... see in the news, that's what people think sex work is. And it's like, well, yeah, they are most definitely a part of the sex work community. They're most definitely you yeah. know, sex workers. But but that's not the whole story. It's really not. Well, article number one was quoting a victim of trafficking directly. And I thought that was interesting because it's the same mm -hmm. thing I noticed just sort of. Like, I noticed that she was talking from her experience. And in her mind, all she has seen are the people around right. her and her own experience of being trafficked. And I think it's very interesting mm -hmm. because I think from her perspective, it becomes clear in the article that in her mind, the only way to prevent trafficking altogether is to make all sex work of any kind of consenting or like non-consenting, right. all of it needs to go in order to prevent people being trafficked. I personally think that people are going to be exploited no matter what you do. People look to exploit other people. Yes, 100%. And I mean, her experience is obviously very valid. And But that's another thing of like trying to approach these things from a place of feelings um, rather than research or information, right? right. So like I want to listen to this woman when she's talking about trafficking because she has firsthand experience with being trafficked, clearly. But 
that's another example of, okay, well, she was never a consensual sex worker. So why is she speaking for consensual adult sex workers? Right. And trying to affect our lives in any way or tell us what to do in any way. Yeah, I think when you are making legal policy around a subject, and as you said, they're conflating sex work with trafficking. If you don't divide the two out into two different legal subcategories then you're you're going to end up harming at least one of those the communities. Yeah. Those yes, exactly. Um yeah, there was sort of the idea in that first article around that now while we're focusing on legally or the conversation according to this trafficked woman uh, or woman who was trafficked is that now all we do is we focus on the consensual sex worker and not the trafficking victim in conversation. And the second article is saying all we talk about is the trafficking victim and not the sex worker. So that's I mean like a like 4 or 5 year difference. Um, and the second one saying, all we talk about now is consenting sex workers. But I think it's consenting sex workers got tired of being told that they were trafficked all the time because the conversation is only ever around the trafficking victim. Yeah. And that's another thing I think that did. I know we're going to talk about this on a later episode. But another thing that I think did come out of SESTA-FOSTA is that a lot of sex workers suddenly had some fire under their ass to be more visible. They were consenting adult sex workers and that this was their job and they have families and they have, you know, it's just another type of a job. And we have literally nothing to do with that. Like that is so far removed from from what we do as consenting adult sex workers. So I think nowadays, like maybe the past like two years, sex workers are even more likely to kind of be more open than they were in the past. I think that was a huge spur for us to do that. So maybe that is why that public perception is so different from like those two different time periods from these two different articles, maybe. Okay. So in your opinion as a sex worker, I mean, I have my mm-hmm. own opinions, but you know, we, I'm not a sex worker. When we discuss sex worker <laughs> laws, who should we focus on? When we just, or I guess even just laws around, I'm going to use that umbrella term prostitution to describe the act. If you are exchanging sexual services for money, whether it's cons- like, who do we focus these laws on and where do we think that laws still need to be developed? Right. Everywhere. <laughs> like, it's very difficult to be operating legally under these umbrellas because, uh, as we mentioned, like in the last episode, there are like a, a, so many different types of sex worker, of uh, uh, sex work and sex workers. So, To even say, like, selling sexual services, it's like, well, I do that, but I don't do PIV sex, so I'm not a full-service sex worker. But when you say, you know, selling sexual services, I do that. So it's very confusing. So what we need to do... Selling sexual services currently is illegal, but stripping, taking off your clothes for someone to look at and giving them a dance where you're basically naked on them, that's legal. Yeah, but me, me putting my foot in someone's mouth... That's technically legal, but that's a sexual service. Like, so. And I also know that like right now in Canada, the law, and once again, we'll talk about this later, but uh, you cannot engage in an act of selling sexual services, but as long as you do it on camera and then put it on the internet, AKA make adult content, that's actually legal. So making adult content is legal in Canada. So as long as you put it on the internet, it's legal. Yeah. As long as there's a camera in the room, then it's fine. Yeah. So two people can be having sex in a room totally privately, that's legal. There's an exchange of money at the end, that's illegal. But if there's an exchange of money, but also there's somebody filming it, that's legal. It's like... Ridiculous, yeah. so contradictory and weird. Right, and that goes back to the stigma, the stigma against full-service sex workers. And like, why is it that we're associating trafficking with full-service sex workers, but not people 
creating adult content. We have heard stories about adult content creators who were filmed without their knowledge. It was uploaded to the internet without their permission. And now that's what they're known for. But yeah, but that's no one, no one associates them with being trafficked. They associate them with the word porn star. Yeah. Right. Like we don't even revenge porn. Revenge porn. We don't even associate trafficking with, with like we as a society can't even recognize trafficking when it's in front of us. Right. Yeah. But we call everything trafficking. It's one of those things that nobody has experience in. And so they're just having these like wild fantasies surrounding it. And everything is fueled by emotions and own personal experience and their own relate relation to uh to like sex. It's it's really all so murky. It's so fucking murky. So I guess my last question that I had reading this article was like, are there even any right answers here? It's really tough. I mean, unless you're getting like sex workers in office, like if unless you're really involving sex workers from all different types of sex work and socioeconomic backgrounds and like getting this just really diverse cast of sex workers on the job, which that's never going to happen. But like we could make some serious, serious headway if that was the case. If we suddenly like had this team that we were this like superhero sex worker, superhero team that we consulted with anytime we had to like determine what was going to happen legally as far as sex work goes. That's, that's, (laughs) we could like consult them. We could do like a bat signal in the sky and then they could all come in because unless you're doing that, honestly, it's just all misinformation. Yeah. It's all harmful. It's all harmful unless you're doing that. I'm like a huge socialist, but I totally feel the libertarians when I read sex worker laws. Um, Like I believe I'm specifically not American libertarians. We're all like, I have a right to carry guns and shoot whoever I want. But like, you know, a nice Canadian libertarian, just the idea, the concept (laughs) that like the concept that that what's right for me might not be right for you. So what, what, you know, so how could the government possibly say that this is right for everyone in our entire country? That's like the libertarian like root. And every time I read about sex worker laws and the way that they're being discussed, I'm like, oh, I think I'm one step closer to libertarian. The government should be paying for our health care, but they shouldn't be telling us who we're allowed to fuck for money. There you go. (laughs) Well said. All right. uh, We're going to take a commercial break. And then when we come back, listener questions from a young person this time. I'm very excited. (gasps) Yay. This week's episode is sponsored by Wild Rose Handmade Soaps. Wild Rose has been making soaps, bath, and body products for over 25 years. Their store is located in Brantford, Ontario, but most of their incredible products can be found on their website at wildrose.ca. That's W-Y-L-D-E-R-O-S-E dot C-A. What can you find at their website? You're going to find soap. You're going to find bath bombs. For those of you who are into some recreational fun, you're going to find bath salts. You can find laundry and dish soap, and you can find shaving soap, beard oils, and mustache wax. So it doesn't matter if you're a lady with a beard, a man with a beard, or anyone with a beard, you can find something for you and your body at this store. So go once again, wildrose.ca. Okay, and we are back and it's time for listener questions. When I say a young person, I am referring to someone who is like literally potentially still has teen associated with their age or might not be out of university yet. I'm talking like 21 and younger. So this person says, hi, Ray and Lady Pym. How do sex workers help and why do they help? Sincerely, Ontario Socialite. I actually love that question. Like, that's what we need to focus on, right? <laughs> like, in our discussion surrounding sex workers and sex work, like, these are the types of topics that I would love to see covered, like, in just in mainstream media, right? Because 
they can help in so many different ways. I can only talk from my experience as a dominatrix, but like people come to see me for like so many different reasons. I do wellness domination with a lot of people, which means that, you know, I'm on their little like mental health tool belt with, you know, their therapist and their like support group and their their positive affirmations and stuff. When you say you're on their tool belt, let's say that I really struggled to like eat three times a day and I could go days without eating if it'd be the kind of thing where like I would pay you and you would just know that like every two days you call me and go eat lunch. Like what does that look like? <laughs> eat lunch, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> it can look like that, but it can also look like, hello, just giving you your daily reminder to eat today because I care about you. Love Lady Pam. Like it can also look like that. Like so, a supportive I mean, way. Okay. Yes, of course. The way you do domination can look a thousand different ways just in itself. And that is also specific to like each kink that you're talking about. So yeah, wellness domination can look lots of different ways, but it's essentially like, it can be anything from helping people with body image, helping people, like you said, stay on like healthy routines and schedules. It can be just like providing emotional support. It can be helping people do stuff like just be more active, physically active, if that's something that they desire. It can be trying to help them be more mindful. I have two lovely full-time subs who I do wellness domination with. So they look totally differently as well. One is almost specifically just about trying to get them to do like mindful activities more often and do the activities they're currently doing in a more mindful way. That's one aspect of how I can help people. But also just doing sessions really helps people too, because you can never underestimate being your authentic kinky self with somebody in a space and having them not only like not shame you and judge you, but like celebrate you and encourage you to be your true authentic kinky self or sexy self. Or for instance, like this can be related to gender, to orientation, all of these things uh, sex workers can validate for you if that's how you want to approach it. But I mean, we can also help you on your journeys to reconnecting with like your sex, your sexuality. I've done a lot of healing work as well. Healing of past trauma type stuff. So many ways sex workers can help you. Honestly, it's it's like unlimited. I think if there's also one thing society as a whole is really recognizing right now when we all have to social distance, it's the power of physical touch and the importance of physical touch. Exactly. And there are some people where for one reason or another, they want to hire an expert to help them with that physical touch. Certainly. You know, and I also know people who have difficulties being emotionally vulnerable in relationships and they just want to have a physical need met and they don't want to go through the rigmarole of getting a bonded partner to do so. And I think that it's okay if you have a sexual need that you want to have met, that's fine. That's okay. Why wouldn't we be okay with people doing that the way that you would say to someone like, oh, well, you know, you need to talk to a friend right now. Well, yeah, I think that physical touch and having your sexual needs met is important in the same way. Certainly. And I mean, people don't always have access to those things in their lives for a variety of reasons, right? So if they don't have access to emotional support, to physical touch to a kinky play partner, on and on and on, then yeah, hire a professional if you don't have access to it, because that's what we're here for, to uh, provide a safe space for you to do that. Yeah, I've also, I know that society as a whole tends to associate people with different abilities as also being infantile or incapable of sexual urges. Oh, disabled folks, you mean? I wasn't sure if we say disabled or differently abled. What's the, speaking of language. Mm, Yep. 
uh, yeah, again, I'm not disabled, but I work with a lot of people who are disabled and they most certainly prefer disabled. <laughs> Differently abled is, is once again a word that abled people came up with because they're because they see disabled as being a bad word. Just like how people uh, like I think POC probably was born by white people mm. because we see like white people see the word black as bad. Yeah. Okay. So we're trying to make ourselves feel more comfortable with marginalized identities. So got disabled, it. Okay. disabled is another one of those terms. Just say disabled. It's not a bad word. I got a lot of uh, training when I worked at things like camp and they taught us the appropriate language. And now I have to unlearn the appropriate language I was taught because there's no <laughs> appropriate language, which was the old language. It's it's thank you for correcting me. I am learning. <laughs> so <laughs> disabled people. Yes. A lot of people have this association that if someone is disabled in some way, physical, mental, whatever, that they are non-sexual beings or that their sexual health or sexual touch should not matter to them. And we shouldn't care about that. And I also know a lot of like there are certain countries where they will provide sex workers to people who are trapped at home or might have difficulty connecting with people to get their sexual needs met in other ways. And so even just from like a I think that sexual health is part of mental health and physical health and they're all intertwined. Definitely. Yeah. Me and too. sex workers are another part of that puzzle. Yeah, definitely. hundred percent. Me too. And I mean, there's also like not having access to something like that, but there's also the part of the population that doesn't have the time energy to get these needs met like essentially they need a no strings attached type of a scenario so another reason to hire a sex worker is like okay i could potentially get these things you know unpaid with like whomever play partners friends hookups whatever but i don't have the time energy to like you know, nurture this relationship, any sort of a relationship surrounding right. it. So yet another reason to just hire a sex worker then. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you, if you just want to fuck, skip Tinder, hire a human. Yeah. I like, you know, there were all those guys where like they would claim it's not going to be a one night stand or they'll like talk a big talk about all of the things they're going to do to you. And then you show up to their house and they don't do any of those things. They just want to fuck you doggy, come and have you leave. And it's kind of like, you could, you know, you can hire someone who will let you do that and you don't need to pretend. There you go. Right? Like, you don't need to pretend. Or maybe they're lying to themselves and they secretly did want to do that until they had it and then they didn't want to do it. Like, I don't know. All I'm saying is that um, it's a lot easier for women to get sex, but it's hard for us to get quality sex. So, ladies, you might also want to consider hiring a sex worker. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I know male sex workers, so, Yeah. <laughs> Hit me up. They're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. If you want a woman to say something in a very particular way, hire a sex worker. You know, tell her, tell her what you want her to say. But if the first time we're conversation meeting, for another episode, you want me but, to say yeah. certain things in a certain way, <laughs> hire a sex. Okay. Anyway, I'm like, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's more to be said around that too, because like if somebody shows up in, in my dungeon and tells me all the specific things to do, I'm going to be like, hmm. Well, I'm a person too, and half the things I'm not going to do. And uh, also, this is supposed to be female supremacy. So why are you coming in here with a laundry list? Like, I'm the yeah. dom. I tell you what we want to do. So there are a couple of like micro conversations in that in that narrative. But yeah, I really like that that concept that you just said. I'm a person too. Yeah, it's a collaboration, right? Like, let's let me contribute. I'm the fucking professional, right? You're not a robot. You're a service provider. I'm not a, not yeah, a robot. I'm not a 
a fetish dispenser, as right. that's a popular term, right? Fetish dispenser. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I, I did not know that. And that's a term that's out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's the last thing I want to feel like, basically. Right. And a lot of other people will treat sex workers like cum dumpsters, and they're not. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Come dumpsters. That's the like yeah. not the vanilla type of sex work people want. And then for me, it's like fetish dispenser, dispenser for yeah. the kink work. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> same idea. You know, I'm not sorry for saying the word come dumpster because Please it's a great word. Say it more. It's yeah. making our producer laugh. Come dumpster. Uh, <laughs> come dumpster. Um, yeah. I also I just genuinely think that that's the root of it. Right. We're all people here. We're all. It's kind of like also if you're going to hire a masseuse to serve, to serve an injury, like you might have a preference. You really like that this masseuse really gets into your knots with their tiny little thumb. But this guy's a lot better at Swedish massage. I don't want Swedish massage. It doesn't do shit for me. I need that high pressure. But if you are in pain after that, then you're going to want to go Swedish. Just like with that, you're going to pick your sexual service provider to be someone who has the right vibe for what you're going for. Definitely. And it's the same thing. All right, that was a tangent. Erin, any last thoughts before you plug yourself? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Are we talking about butt plugs? Is that going to happen? <laughs> oh, that's next episode. Okay, yeah, great. clearly. That's the OnlyFans live show later. Oh, perfect. <laughs> so, yeah, that's on my Patreon. Um, you can follow me on Twitter, where I'm most active. I'm at theladypim1. You can go over to Instagram as well. If you have Instagram, I'm at theladypim. And uh, if you want to email me about hiring me in any way, sex work related, you can do so at ladypim at protonmail.com. You can follow the podcast at Sex News with Ray on Facebook and Instagram and quite possibly Twitter and submit a listener question through sharewithray.com slash podcast or email sexnewswithray at gmail.com. Follow me at wifebayray on Instagram and TikTok and Razor Latex on Instagram, OnlyFans and Patreon. This podcast is engineered and produced by Dave Meisner of The Magnificent Beard and is hosted at sexnewswithray.podbean.com. The theme music is by Blank and Brilliant. Special thank you to Blue Microphones. Photography for our logo is by Dolly Shots Photography and Egan, I am so sorry I didn't say penis today, but I'm sure we'll do it again one time. Penis, penis, penis.